When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Imagine if you could shop the shelves of all your local liquor stores at the same time. Well, spoiler alert, you can with Drizzly, the number one alcohol delivery app. Drizzly lets you compare prices from local liquor stores on a huge selection of beer, wine, and spirits, then get them delivered right to your door in under 60 minutes. And right now, Drizzly is giving all new customers $5 off their first order. Just enter promo code SAVE5 at checkout. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y dot com. Ich warte seit Wochen auf diesen Tag und tanz vor Freude über den Asphalt, als wär's sein Rhythmus. Als gäbe sein Lied, das mich immer weiter durch die Straßen zieht, kommen die entgegen. Hello and welcome to Gegenpressing, the German football podcast from the Football Grad Network. I'm your host Bryce Dunn and as always we'll start off the podcast by going over the match day results. So on Friday we've seen a five goal thriller, Osberg 1, Bayer Leverkusen 4. Into Saturday, we had Hanover 1, Mainz 0, Eintracht Frankfurt 0, Hertha Berlin 0, Fortuna Dusseldorf 4, Werner Bremen 1, RB Leipzig continued to win 2-1 against Freiburg, then the derby that everyone was talking about, Borussia Dortmund 2, Schalke 4, late kickoff game since Stuttgart 1, Borussia Mönchengladbach 0, and then into Sunday, Hoffenheim 1, Wolfsburg 4, and finally, Nuremberg won, Bayern Munich won. Yeah, so joining me as always is Manu Vetz. Uh, Manu, what a match day. Lots of ups and downs and twists and turns, eh? Whew. Yeah, what a match day indeed. Uh, I think we all thought that, you know, the Bundesliga title race was over on Saturday. And uh, then Nuremberg, you know, the club keeps it wide open for the rest of the league. Though you have a fantastic finish, but who? Oh, yeah, I, I feel like I need a drink after this match day because we record this right after the final game, right? And uh, it, it's been it's been an exciting exciting weekend for all the results, and really excited to talk about it all. But yeah, I almost need like a drink to just calm down the nerves a little bit. <laughs> you and me both, uh, Manu. Uh, but joining um, Manu and myself, as always, is uh, Chris Williams. Chris. Yeah, we could all do with a bit of a rest after that one, eh? We had just about everything. We did. We did have everything. We had red cards, VAR controversies, um, goals that maybe shouldn't have been given, and that was just in one game. But, um, yeah, it's been a phenomenal match day with connotations at the top, at the bottom, and in the race for Europe. So I think this has probably been the best match day so far this season, um, and we've only got three left now, so... Um, keep hold of this one because it might, it might be the the crucial one when it comes down to it on the 12th of May. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, the top two sides dropping points against maybe opponents that we hadn't expected them to drop points against. Um, it's only adding to the fun and the entertainment. Say, so, yeah, there's plenty more twists and turns coming, I feel. But before we talk about the uh, top two, let, let's um, delve into... Uh, the absurdity of the results as well in the race for Europe. So we see now Borussia Mönchengladbach lose. We've seen Bayer Leverkusen win, Hoffenheim lose, Wolfsburg win, Werder Bremen lose. I mean, it's all over the place. So Chris, you described uh, Borussia Mönchengladbach uh, last week, um, and I think a few weeks before that too probably, uh, that they're a team of hot and cold. You don't really know what you're going to get uh, week in and week out. And yet Lick, Kickoff game, seen them lose to Stuttgart of all people, one nil. Gladbach, gonna Gladbach. This is typical um, Gladbach this season. And on paper, I know football's not played on paper. Get that in very quickly. And I also know the title race isn't over on the twelfth of May, it's the eighteenth. This this side is it just baffles me because 
it's not just the players, it's it's the coaching system. Obviously, it's all going to change next year. Uh, sorry, next season from, from July onwards or June onwards. But I did say last week, if Stuttgart could pick up points anywhere, it would be this game because you don't know what you're going to get um, with Borussia Mönchengladbach under Dieter Hecken in these final few games. And I know he's going at the end of the season, um, but I think now, I, I talked about teams being on the beach. I think some of these players, their heads are on the beach because... I mean, they shouldn't have really lost this game with just how poorly um, Stuttgart have been playing and, and look where they are now. They're fifth on 51 points. At one point, they were battling for, for the title with Dortmund. So had they had a 2019 like they'd had a 2018, I would expect that to be 10 better. Maybe they'd be battling RB Leipzig for third now. Who knows? Um, but yeah, it just sums up how poor Gladbach have been all season, this result. But... For, for Stuttgart, they must be devastated because they need to pick up points to get out of the or you know the relegation playoff slot. And who would have expected Schalke to go and score four goals? So when Stuttgart finally do pick up points, those around them also picked up points. Yeah, very frustrating for them indeed. You know, it's a not good timing at all. Um, yeah, I mean, we will come talk, come back to uh, Gladbach in, in a little bit and we will talk about uh, a certain player that seems to be edging closer and closer to that exit door. So, so yes, he could certainly be on the beach uh, mentally, couldn't he? But, um, Manu, let, let's talk about uh, Peter Bosk uh, and Bayer Leverkusen on Friday night. We, we've seen them um, take apart Osberg uh, 4-1. I'm, I'm sure you enjoyed that just because of their opponent, eh? you always seem to enjoy seeing the the, the demise of Osborne, don't you? But um, that leaves um, Leverkusen sitting in sixth, um, 51 points, and only three points off um, Eintracht Frankfurt, who, who are sitting in that fourth position. Ooh. Yeah, 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 come <laughs> on. <laughs> um, I enjoyed that game very much, actually. Um, not because of me being an 1860 fan. I just simply thought it was a very good game. I thought that Leverkusen, Leverkusen, if we are, if we're using those terms, if Chris says Gladbach, 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 Leverkusen, Leverkusen, they, they, they were excellent. That Kai Harvard score, for example, that toe poke, one touch toe poke from midair looped over the keeper's head. Uh, I don't think I've seen a goal like that very often. Um, he was fantastic. Kevin Fallon was fantastic. Julian Brandt was fantastic. They were, fun- they, they were, you know, they are, we are playing like the side that we all expected them they would be before the season. And, um, unfortunately, they don't do it very often. I mean, I look at their goal differential right now, Bryce. It's 57 to 49. I think Chris said this a few weeks ago. Their entire, this, this, this entire squad is designed to score more often than the opponent. This is not a defensive team at all. They can't defend to save, defend to save their lives. Um, but yeah, you know, I did this, I did a match report on this game and I thought that they were just simply brilliant. Um, and they're very lucky in, in the, in the, that regard that everyone around them is dropping points too. So I think a lot of people expected them to be out of the Champions League race, but they're not. There's three points behind Frankfurt, who of course have the better goal differential. Um, so they're still in it. So that is, Probably the best news after this match day, but you know the way things have been going with all the teams around them, we don't know what how this is going to keep going because you know Wolfsburg were also fantastic against Hoffenheim and no one saw that coming. Yeah, well, that, that's exactly it. Um, before we talk about uh, Wolfsburg, let's talk um, a little bit about um, Werner Bremen. Um, Fortuna managed to beat them at home four uh, one. Bremen, it, they've had so many good moments this year, haven't they, Chris? Uh, but it looks like, you know, well, Champions League's a step too far, you'd have to say. But um, you know, them even getting into Europe, it's going to be a hell of a task, you know, when they've got, you know, four, well, a little bit inconsistent, yeah, sure, but, but four very difficult teams, you know, with more points ahead of them. Yeah, and I think, I, I know Fortuna does stuff have been fantastic this season, um, and they've really come alive in the in this in this year, 2019. I thought they were okay last year, but I mean, for this year, they seem to be running the second half of the season started. They seem to be pulling off some tremendous results. And I can only maybe think that this result is sort of a hangover for Verder because they were unfairly, unfairly the right word? I want to use it, yeah. Maybe they were unfairly dumped out the, the Pokal. There was a, 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 
a very contentious penalty decision. If nobody saw it, um, they were they were eventually beaten um, three two by Bayern in the Pokal from being two nil down. That were they were an inside of seventy six seconds. They were two two, and then they they were they were given they were issued a penalty against them, which I can see why it was given. Um, I could also see why it's not being given, but the right process wasn't followed and. Um, the right VAR process wasn't followed and, and had it been, then maybe the penalty would never have been given and they might have gone on to beat Bayern in added time, stroke extra time, etc. But as it was, they went out and I think they felt very hard done to and I think this is a bit of a hangover for them. Um, I would expect them to be a lot better next week because they have been really good under Florian Kofelt and I, I think, yeah, this particular result and don't take anything away from Dusseldorf because they're another good side who have played exceptionally well and and continue to play so well and their forward one well, it's their front two that have been doing the business and even um Raman got on the um score sheet for once um Luca Bakayoko didn't make the uh, make the scoreboard but he certainly you know was there or thereabouts at times um Although he was taken off, I think probably because his head had gone a little bit. But I don't take anything away from Fortuna from this result. But I would also say that this was a Verde Bremen side that was mentally um, mentally done in and probably could have done with, with skipping this particular match day. Yeah, I'm sure they would have uh, would have liked to have skipped this match day indeed. But uh, Manu, let, let's talk about um, one of the uh, the winners. And when I say winners, uh, they actually drew this weekend uh, Eintracht Frankfurt. But you're picking up a point um, over some of the teams around them. Um, they drew nil nil with Hertha Berlin. And is it a is it that Eintracht have got to a stage where you know they're a little bit tired from a busy schedule? Uh, this season, or have they just got one eye on the Europa League and taking on Chelsea? I think it's a bit of both, and I think fatigue is probably a big factor at this stage. Um, you know, for them, I think a point against Hertha is a point gained. Although, when you look, people that know me know that I'm not the biggest fan of XG because it doesn't. You know, you have to score the goals. XG doesn't reflect the the entire balance either. But um, they they should have won this game when you when you go by those stats. So I think it's it's when you look at the other results around them though it's a point gained. Um, I think realistically speaking they're about six points away from from securing their Champions League spot, and uh, I I think they have a good chance of doing exactly that. And so given that they got a point against Hertha, um, it is a good thing. The one thing that worries me maybe, and this is this is going forward, Bryce, is the fact that uh, Luka Jovic um some, some numbers this week that were quite interesting. The amount of goal production he has when someone like Sebastian Haller is on the pitch and someone the more the fewer amount of fewer goals he gets when Haller isn't there. Um he really needs a big presence to play around to someone to create that room for him, right? Because he is he's a penalty box player. And in order to be a penalty box player, you need to have the room. And um, I think Frankfurt are hoping, praying that Sebastian Haller's um, stomach muscle injury, because they don't know the ETA of his return, that he can can come back somehow, in the, maybe for one of the Chelsea games, maybe for the the rest of the Rückrunde for one game, just to get those three points. And um, of course, that would have a major impact because... <laughs> their final game of the season is against Bayern. But I think this is a point gained for them, absolutely. Yeah, things are looking uh, positive for Eintracht Frankfurt. Chris, would you still agree that they're looking the strongest to get that fourth spot? Uh, you, we've all mentioned before that you know it, it would be a hell of an asset and you were to have them in the Champions League. We've seen how fantastic uh, you know, their home support is you know, when they've played in Europe this year. And they've got... Uh, Leverkusen coming up next as well, so you have victory there. Even a draw might be seen as as a positive result as well to kind of well go closer to cementing that fourth place. Yeah, I would say they deserve it. But as we've talked about before, um, you know, at the very end match day, the table will be reflective on how well you've played over the full season. And if Eintracht Frankfurt are there, I'll, I'll be. Very pleased for them. If they're not there, if someone like Leverkusen have, have 
come up and taken that slot, or maybe Borussia Mönchengladbach have finally found a little bit of consistency in order to re-attack that top four slot, which looked like they'd been there for a long time, then they will be worthy of that. But yeah, as it stands, I would say those top four now, currently, Bayern, Dortmund, Leipzig and Frankfurt, will take the best um, we'll take the best of the Bundesliga forward next season into that into that big Champions League competition. Frankfurt have had a, a wonderful Europa League. They can take that experience through. Leipzig have played Champions League football and Europa League football. And of course, the top two are well used to Champions League football. So I'd say as they are at the moment, um, that is great. And then there's been quite a lot of talk about situations and can say now that if Eintracht Frankfurt um, win the Europa League and they finish fourth, um, that slot doesn't go to the Bundesliga. There's been a lot of questions. I've, I've seen that flying around. Who, you know, who gets that? If Eintracht Frankfurt win the Europa League and they finish fourth, um, the slot in the Champions League that the Europa League would have had, one of the teams in the first qualifying round gets a bye to the second. So um, it's don't don't think about that. And I've also had questions on on the parameters for that in England as well. If Chelsea were to win, say, and Arsenal were to finish, just forget that. Um, your, your team needs to finish in the top four or it needs to win the Europa League. Yeah, perfect. Thank you for explaining, Chris. Um, I, I suppose maybe some Bundesliga fans would have been getting excited about an extra spot, but not to be the case. Uh, Manu, uh, then we'll talk um, a little bit about Wolfsburg as well. Uh, not just a, an exciting uh, win for them this Sunday, uh, beating Hoffenheim 4-1, uh, a very impressive uh, performance. Uh, but also they've, they've announced that they're going to have a new coach next season. Uh, what do you know about this? Well, uh, Oliver Glasner, um, I do know a bit about Last Linz and the work he has done there. But thankfully, um, we have friends in Austria from the other Bundesliga podcast. And um, they have given us a little bit of an audio file on him. Yes, they have. It's Tom Midler from the other Bundesliga podcast, as Manu mentioned, um, has a, a little word to say on Oliver Glasner. And when I say other Bundesliga, I mean the Austrian one. So here he is. Hi, guys. It's a pleasure to join you on the pod from south of the border. And as you've already mentioned, LASK manager Oliver Glasner will be joining Wolfsburg. And so for all the managerial talent Austria gained this week in RB Leipzig assistant Jesse Marsh, it's about to lose one of its brightest stars in Glasner. The 44-year-old turned the second division side into the only real challengers to Salzburg's dominance in these parts, leaving Austria's more established clubs looking on with envy. Since he took over at Lask in 2015, Glasner has instilled a simple philosophy of pressing high to win the ball back quickly up the field, and boy has it worked wonders with his preferred 3-4-3 formation. The masterstroke, though, has been Glasner's unwavering ability to find players to fit his system on a shoestring. His no-compromise approach has seen him work with a core set of talents who were able to execute his pressing plans to a T. That led to Lask dominating the second division in Austria just two seasons ago before finishing in a highly creditable fourth on their return to the top flight with a very similar-looking squad. At the beginning of this year, Glasner's side even made a bit of a splash on the European stage, claiming a big win over Lillestrom in Europa League qualifying before achieving a remarkable victory over a star-studded Besiktas side, losing out only on away goals. In the league so far this year, Lask have been running in a mightily impressive second place and were within four points of perennial champions Red Bull when everything rather fell apart earlier this month. An agonising penalty shootout defeat in the Cup semi-final and a crucial loss against Salzburg in the league just a few days later, both in spite of excellent Lask performances, it should be noted, may have left Glasner wondering whether his so-called long-term project at Lask has gone about as far as it can go. It would be fully understandable to most here if he felt that way, but we'll certainly be sad to see him leave. We'll watch on keenly to see how he handles the step up to the bigger Bundesliga, but on the evidence we've seen from down here, you can expect exciting high-pressing football, a no-nonsense approach to those players who won't fit his system, and a deep trust from the ones who are happy to be moulded into his image. On that note, Glasner has been responsible for the breakthrough of a few Lask players during his tenure. Thomas Goiginger, the tricky winger, and Gernot Trauner at centre-back are not exactly young starlets, but they've certainly scaled new heights under Glasner's tutelage, as have many other players in what is now clearly the second-strongest side in Austria. Check just how well Lask cope next season as a decent barometer of how much Oliver Glasner actually achieved here.
And yes, much appreciated the work from uh, Tom and the guys at the other Bundesliga podcast there. If you're interested in Austrian football, I would say um, definitely check it out. It's very impressive work they're doing over there. But yes, uh, guys, I suppose um, let's talk about RB Leipzig as well. Uh, it was just last week that Manu was saying, you know, uh, how impressive they have been. Um, and possibly they could even get involved in, in a title challenge. Uh Chris, um, I mean, we, we see the beat uh, Freiburg 2-1, but surely, surely they can't be part of this title race, can they? <laughs> I I think Manu said it last week, and I'm going to say it this week. Had we had um, a 20 Bundesliga, I mean, it, if there was 20 teams in the Bundesliga, I think this particular match day could have set themselves up for a really good um, crack at the title. But I just think because there's only 18 teams, obviously there's a couple of matches less. So I, I think it's just a little bit too late now for, for for Leipzig to really push on. If you look where they are, they're 64 points. Had Bayern and Dortmund been locked on, on uh, 69, then I think maybe they would have still been in it. But the 64 to 71 with three match days less, I think is probably just a little bit too much of an ask for them now. Um, so we'll have to wait and see how they get on next season because I think they're going to really be a force to be reckoned with um, next season. But they just got to keep doing what they're doing and, and you never know. That That is why we love football because you never know. Who would have thought that match day 31, Bayern and Dortmund would have dropped points in the way they did? Um, you know, And it could have been six points dropped for the for over the two sides and Bayern were a foot maybe even half a foot away from that although they probably should have scored right in the end but we'll get to that in a moment but for Leipzig yeah they just keep doing what they're doing which is winning and you and picking up points and you can't ask for any more than that at this stage of the season um it's showing a really good mental strength that they've got and it's the sort of of thing they're going to need to take on to next season I think they're going to be in the Champions League, we can all say that, and they're going to be involved in, in where the title goes. And it's this mentality that they've got now, the business end of the season, they can still pick up points, they can still play teams like Christian Strikes Freiburg, who are, who are a difficult proposition, and they can still get the maximum points. And whilst I don't think they can win the title, I do think they might just get a say on where it goes. Yeah, absolutely. There's still... Um a few twists and turns uh, in that title race. And yeah, maybe if RB Leipzig aren't uh, one of the teams challenging for it, they're definitely going to have a say, aren't they? As they're facing Bayern Munich in a few match days, they've got Mainz first. Though. Manu, would you agree with Chris that it's maybe just a little bit too late for RB, but um, nevertheless, uh, it's been an impressive campaign for them. I think they're, gonna, they're slightly kicking themselves right now. To be quite frank, because you know a couple of drop points here, lost there, and um, they they were the most consistent team following that defeat to Borussia Dortmund on the first match day of the Rückrunde. Since then, they have been undefeated. They haven't lost a single game on the road. They've won every game on the road actually in the Rückrunde, which is really impressive. Um, I think they're kicking themselves a little bit because. And this is something that we really criticized in the first half of the season, that this squad was not strong enough going into the season. And um, the table doesn't lie. You need to be strong over the entire 34 games. And I think they dropped too many points heading into the season. I think, you know, that, that developing process under Rangnick in the first few match days may have actually cost them the Bundesliga title. And that is, that's insane. But... I'm with Chris. I think they, A, they're going to have a massive say where it's going. I think they, they have a very good shot of beating Bayern not once, but twice and really ruined the, the, the double for Kovac. Um, and they were going to have a very big say of where the title is going next year. I think we're going to have a three team race for the Bundesliga title. No matter what happens this year at the end of this season, there's going to be three teams fighting for the Bundesliga title next year. So you think this has been traumatic? Wait till next year. Oh, bring it on. That's what I say. Yeah. Well done to RB Leipzig for a successful campaign. But yeah, just, just a bit of a shame. It's just a, all come a bit too late for them. So, guys, take a big deep breath. We're going to have to go into these uh, these title racing games. And 
Yeah, there's plenty to talk about. So let's start with the Riviera Derby. We've seen Borussia Dortmund go into this um, needing, you know, kind of hoping and needing to win every re- remaining game, uh, and they just didn't do it. They they managed to lose two to four against Schalke. Yes, having two men sent off as well. I, I suppose, Chris, where do we even start with this? Uh, I, I suppose we can start with the lovely goal, you know, where Sancho chipped it over the top and it was put away, but then it kind of unravelled a little bit, didn't it? Well, it did, if you or, or it didn't, if you're of a Schalke persuasion. Um, I think everybody would have thought on 14 minutes when Gotza heads home what is just a phenomenal assist chip from Sancho which is his 14th of the season by the way which is the best return for an Englishman in in Europe's top five leagues for over 10 years so that will give you an indication how good Jadon Sancho has been but the ball over the movement off the ball from Mario Gotza to head the ball cleanly into the net I think everybody thought okay um, yep this is going to go the way um, everybody thinks Dortmund are going to breeze past what's been an average Salka side and, and that is probably me being kind to them by saying average but what followed that was just one of the craziest derbies I've seen since this same derby last season that ended up 4-4 but now this particular year's one the 2018-19 um, Rivera derby at the Westfalenstadion is just one that's going to live long in the memory of of everybody that was there and everybody that saw it. Because you're quite right, after that goal, Dortmund just pressed the self-destruct button. Now, there will be a big, and there will be a big talk over was it handball or not. Lucien Favre has said basically that it's a disgrace and football's finished. But if you're going to look at it with with no yellow glasses on, with no blue glasses on... um, I can see why the penalty um, was given because if you're gonna if you're gonna have your arm out, um, then you're gonna ask for questions to be to be decided upon. And we saw this in the Champions League um, with um, Paris Saint Germain, who had a penalty given against them against Manchester United in added time. If you dangle an arm out these days, it's dangerous. Now, Julian Weigel was putting his arm out. To, to balance himself, I firmly believe that. But his arm, his left arm, went out at the same time when um, Brilembolo hit the ball and it hit his, it, it hit his hand, it hit his hand and his arm. And I can see why Favre is livid, but I can also see why um, that penalty was given. But take that away, take that, take that penalty out of the. Um, out of the situation, that wasn't the penalty that won the game. It was a penalty that made um, the scores level. After that, Dortmund just pressed the self-destruct button. Sane heads in from a corner. Where have we seen that before? Oh, we saw it twice um, in the game in the Allianz where Bayern demolished Dortmund. They're, 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 they're marking from set pieces. has been terrible. Um, and then... Kalajuri, who was my man of the match, he covered the game for fushbowstat.com. He got his he got his second, the third. Then we had Marco Royce with just a crazy challenge from behind. Um, then Wolf does the same challenge on the same player moments later. Dortmund get a goal back. What's going to happen? Mbolo smashes a cracker in to make it 4-2. But there's, I know there's a lot of Dortmund fans who will look at the VAR call on this. But I think they have to remember that that was the goal that equaled it up. It wasn't. It wasn't VAR that got two of their players sent off. It wasn't VAR that made them mark shockingly from the corner. It wasn't VAR that allowed them to go three one. Well, it was three one down. Obviously, Marco Royce's um, red card gave a free kick from which Caligiuri scored from. These are all mistakes that they've made themselves. So. Has has the has the game changed on this penalty? I would argue not, because it was 18 minutes in, Bryce. It's not even a quarter of the game gone. Um, and I think Dortmund's heads fell off. And Whereas we saw Bayern were very calm when they went 1-0 down. I think Dortmund panicked, um, and, and the outcome of their panic was 4-2. I actually am 100% with Chris on the penalty. Um, 
and I think that he, he makes himself larger, right? I think the argument that Favre tries to bring up, and I, I, that's where I'm, I agree with the decision made by the refereeing team, but I agree, I also agree with Favre or Tuchel, um, when you, if you include the PSG penalty in this, right, Chris, um, that the rule maybe in itself is too harsh on this because Faber said, well, maybe we have to then cut off the arms of players because like, what, what is Weigel supposed to do, right? And in this, in this very situation, you know, if he doesn't have his arm there, he falls over. So that makes it very tricky. But the letter of the law is that that's a penalty. And I, I personally think, in my, my humble opinion is, I would just get rid of penalties if there's a handball in the box. Play an indirect free kick like you do when... When you do when you do a back pass to the keeper, treat it the same way. Problem solved, done. Um, we won't have that debate anymore. You, you still get a goal scoring situation, but to give a penalty for something like that, it's just a bit too you know too soft for me for this game. I think it, it's too big of a decision. Um, as for the other points, oh, did they ever fall apart? You know, too many times. And I, I, this is something that I said today about Bayern. They went one nil down, and you just know that they're going to score. They're just going to be, okay, okay, we're 1-0 we're down, but we're not going to fall apart. Even in a season where they're not great, like no team on this planet, and having followed for Bayern for a long time, they're just, just able to keep it going, and Dortmund just can't do that. It's just, the nerves are just there or whatever. That is, that is something that they have to really work on, I think, in the last three match days. Yeah, that's it. I think you, you know, Chris uh, and yourself make very good points, you know, and in keeping cool, you know, um, when you go into these scenarios and Bayern have shown that they're champions in that way, being able to continue playing the way that they have, where Dortmund have struggled at times, haven't they, with this. Um, so, Chris, um, obviously um, we'll talk about Bayern uh, in a little second, uh, but... Favre said after the game that you know, the title race was over, but it's far from over, isn't it? I mean, it's especially with that uh, with that result, you know, happening today. Well, I, I think everybody expected that Bayern would have breezed past um, Nuremberg and increased the gap at the top. Um, I understand maybe a little bit that it, that's why it's always good to try and interview a manager in the tunnel because they're very raw and they will give you a brilliant soundbite, which is exactly. Um, what Lucien Favre did, he thinks the title fight, the title race is over. Um, maybe it is because you know they've had two straight red cards. Um, that's going to have an impact um, on the final few match days. Uh, it's not as if they are bit part players. Okay, Marius Wolf hasn't made that many starts this season, but he's someone who they can bring in and spear a light on. Uh, Marco Royce is, is an exceptional player. I just fear for Dortmund's heads because. Now they're going to look and go, if we'd only drawn, if we'd only won, you know, what could we have done in, in the biggest game of the season, which I think the um, River derby is, for Dortmund it is their biggest game of the season. It's one of the biggest derbies in Europe. Um, they were sorely, you know, they, were, they, they just weren't even there. Um, I think I, I spoke after the game and said that in, in the game that Dortmund needed to be 100% concentrated and 100% committed, they weren't even at the races. Um, even even at the end, they get that second goal back to make it 2-3 and you're thinking, oh, could they? Could they? Now, I don't want to pour scorn on Dortmund because I've got a lot of friends there um, and I love the club to bits. But if Bayern get a second back on 85 minutes to make it 2-3, they don't get beat 4-2. They go on and draw 3-3. Dortmund got that crucial goal back and I know they were down to nine players but they leaked a goal 65, 70 seconds later. Um, so it's a hard one for them. How are they going to bounce back from that? Well, they're just going to have to keep on going and hope that Frankfurt and Leipzig can do them a favour. I think if Bayern didn't have to play both of those very good sides, um, um, Leipzig will be looking to finish as high as they can. They will be looking to put down a marker against Bayern, is to beat them and then beat them a few weeks later, like Manu said, in the Pokal final. I think that will be in um, in in Leipzig's mind. I think Frankfurt will be gunning for um, that fourth place. I, I do think that Chelsea will be a step too far for them now. Um, I, I, I think I would be exceptionally surprised if they got past Chelsea and made the Europa League final. Um, 
I think Chelsea have got far too much experience in this competition and, and a greater squad depth right where it counts now with injuries. So unfortunately for Frankfurt, I think they'll be very committed on that last day to nailing down that spot and making sure it's theirs. So I would say that maybe the title race isn't over just yet, but it certainly is if Dortmund want to play the final three match days in the way that they played on Saturday. Yeah, it's it was kind of, you know, when, they, when Götze put that goal away, Chris... I think. Well, I thought it was going to be three or four, five, maybe yeah. even six. That's what I thought. You know, I I was like, oh yeah, this is going to be easy. Even when Schalke was given that penalty, I thought, okay, well, the way Schalke played this season, well, it's going to be four-one Dortmund now, right? Which was the the tip that I gave before the game. Because how did you manage to resurrect this Schalke team? I mean, that's what Dortmund did. Um, you know, this is a shockingly bad team. And yes, they got one over over there, their local rivals, but they've been shockingly bad all year. And, and by by rights, this is a game that Dortmund have to win. And especially if you score first. At home, such a goal, the way they scored it, against a team that has no confidence whatsoever. You know, I tell you what, Chris, if Bayern scored that goal, they would have defeated Schalke 6-0, 7-0. No problem. And that's that's the difference right now. Yeah, it is, and it's unfortunate because we wanted a title race that would have gone all the way down to the wire. I'm not saying it won't, but this this would have made it a lot more interesting had Dortmund won or even drew um, and, and Bayern had dropped points. But as it was, Dortmund showed maybe their immaturity as a squad, maybe their immaturity in a title race um, because... You have to give it to Bayern. They've won the title six times on the bounce. So when it comes to the knowledge about how you win a title, they know exactly what it is. This Dortmund side is a very young side with a new manager, a team that's still in transition, and, and we will give them this season as transition. And then after that, you had said that they've been through that transition, but they've just got to they've just got to keep going. And unfortunately for them, it's their their meltdown as such, their little mini meltdowns come in the worst possible game and. Schalke will be will be overjoyed and everybody in Gelkirchen will be mad with pleasure because not only have they beaten um, Dortmund 4-2 in their own stadium for the first time in a long time, they've also, and, and I gave it for their, the title, they've derailed their title challenge. So that's two big wins in one game. Yeah, it really is, isn't it? And Chris, just to stick with you, I mean, they're going to play... Uh... Dusseldorf uh, next, uh, or sorry, Werner Bremen um, away next. Uh, how do you see that going? I mean, Werner Bremen have had a pretty solid uh, season. Yes, they may have um, slipped up uh, this weekend against uh, Fortuna Dusseldorf, uh, but you know that that's not an easy game either, especially with those players suspended. No, it's not an easy game, and um, anyone that saw the Pokal midweek will have seen how difficult it was for Bayern, even though they were 2-0 up. Werder Bremen have got the skill and they've got the ability to score a couple of quick goals. And it's not a place where I'd want to be going to be chasing um, a title. I'd want, to be, I'd want to be going somewhere else because, as we've already discussed, you know, 46 points Werder Bremen are on. They've only got to get to 51 um, to try and get back into the, title, into the um, fight for European slots. Now, it might be beyond them, but... They did identify Werder Bremen at the start of the season that they wanted to finish in, you know, either fifth or sixth. So if they ever got a chance of finishing seventh, that's that's a really good season for them. They can go, okay, we wanted to get Europa League football. We've just missed out by a point, two points, goal difference, whatever, and they can take that as a positive and build on it from next season. So I don't think Dortmund are going to go up against a side that are, you know, currently their ninth. But it, it's not like they're going to be playing a Hertha Berlin or a Mainz who are completely safe and have got really nothing to challenge for. So it's going to be a very difficult um, game for them, and especially because, as I say said earlier, um, Werder Bremen were dumped out of the Pokal on Furley. Um, I think that affected them this particular match day where they were beaten 4-1. And I think um, at home, they will want to go and send a good signal on the Saturday night, the top spiel, the big game. They'll want to go out and send a signal to everybody in Germany that, okay, we might have been kicked out of the Pokal, but we're back. We want to show you how good we are and we're gunning for Europe. So it's probably the worst possible fixture they could have had. 
Yeah, and keep in mind that Bremen won the the cup game against Dortmund, right? So it's not not an easy opponent at all. Well, yeah, and then and then they actually play Fortuna Dusseldorf uh, the match day after that, finishing off with, with Gladbach. Gladbach, yeah, I mean, you would probably say on the form that they've had in 2019, they, they'll probably see them. But uh, Dusseldorf, again, that that's a tough game. They've played very well this season, so they've got a lot of uh, challenges still to come. But um, Chris kind of mentioned that you know, it is a bit of a, a transitional year. There's young players, there's a new coach. Uh, there's another player that could be coming um, their way, a man in Thorgan Hazard, who's had a fantastic year for that, um, well, up and down uh, Gladbach site. Um, he said that he's agreed personal terms, hasn't he? But that the the sides haven't agreed terms. I mean... That, that that's a bit of a, a funny thing to do, is it, to, to announce that? I can't imagine that either of the clubs would be entirely happy about that. Well, I think it's been an open secret that uh, Torgen Hazard uh, wants to go to Dortmund um, for some time. Uh, I think the reason why he went publicly is because is because uh, Max Eberl, the sporting director of Borussia Mönchengladbach, tried to um, start a bidding war for Torgen Hazard in the summer, right? To get the maximum amount of money out of out of a possible transfer. And um, before you knew it, there was rumors linking him to Liverpool. Um, the Liverpool press in particular jumped on that very quickly. Um, and then it very quickly got shut down because, you know, Torgen Hazard said, like, this is all great, but I only want to go to one club, and that's Borussia Dortmund. So um, if I'm not going this summer in 2019, then I'm just going to sit out my contract and I'm going in 2020 for nothing. Right, which of course meant that um, Ebal, who was hoping for around 40 million euros, that price has significantly dropped now. Uh, I reckon he will go for around 25 million euros in the end, which would be a steal for Dortmund because I think they they want to probably sign um, at least one other player, um, someone like Julian Brandt, for example, who's also available for 25 million euros. So they could get two players for what either one of them would cost on an open market alone, uh, and that's that. Uh, that is something that. I, I think is also the sort of players they need because I, I, we have to remember this. And I think a lot of people forgot this um, in the second half of the season. How often have we talked ahead of the season that Borussia Dortmund are in a transitional year? And how often have the decision makers talked? We need at least two summer transfer windows to fix all the problems that we had. And Lucien Favre needs time. It's a, it's a downward miracle. This is something that we have to remember. It's a miracle that Dortmund were in the title fight this season. And they, they still, with three games to go, still can win this title because they didn't have that expectations themselves. Most fans ahead of the season didn't have that expectation. The expectations that they're now bottling it are all coming from a very strong start in the season. I think overall where they are on point total, etc., is probably a pretty good reflection of where they are in their rebuild. And they're going to be a lot stronger next year as well. Um, because if they're going to continue to rebuild. But people, like Dortmund fans, if you're freaking out over Lucien Favre, the points, the fact that they're bottling is no, they're not. They are, they are on a rebuild. They just happened to catch Bayern at a really good opportune time um, where Bayern were also in a rebuild. So, you know, they, they, there is a title chance there, but... Calm down, people. This Dortmund side isn't anywhere near the finished product yet. Manu, what do you say um, to the people that suggest that uh, Peter Stoger should have come in on match day 16 to, to win the title for them? What? <laughs> there were people uh, joking online, or well, maybe not joking, saying that you know if, if uh, Stoger had been in from match day 16 to the 31st, um, that he would have picked up the That's ridiculous. Points. Thirty. I'm not even entertaining that. <laughs> I, I'm I'm shocked just by the by the figures, to be honest. I, but somehow I don't think I Dortmund fans. Okay, first of all, Stöger Stöger took over a huge mess last season, and he got them into the Champions League. And I think there should be some respect for that, right? We all know what's happened at Borussia Dortmund. The the amount of stuff that was going on behind closed doors. Like how often have Chris and I talked about it? How often have we talked about it in this podcast? The fact that Stöger got Dortmund in the Champions League last year was actually not an easy thing to do. And I think a lot of people online, um, the Stöger ball and all that stuff, uh, I don't find that it's quite quite fair because he got them into the Champions League. He got this job done. So was he the right coach going forward? No, he wasn't because they needed someone who can play, who can rebuild the side 
long term with a good tactical plan. And Lucien Favre is that man. He's the he's one of the best coaches in European football. Has he made mistakes this year? Yeah, of course. But that was advertised by the board, by the decision makers, publicly throughout the entire first half of the season. I was in Dortmund for the Champions League game against Monaco. I asked Favre, how far is this team? He said three times, please give us time. Right? It's, it's insane that they could win the title this year in a year that they were rebuilding. I'm repeating myself, but it's just people. Put it in your head. Just you know, remember the fact that they are actually rebuilding right now. Yeah, I think uh, I think respect uh, is due for Stoker, but um, I'd imagine that not many Dortmund fans would would want to swap the two of them at at this stage or maybe at any stage. But um, Chris, uh, just to go back about those um, additions uh, that look to be coming in to uh, Dortmund, so we, we've talked about Thorgan Hazard. We'd imagine that that one will get over the line, and then there's talk that maybe someone like Julian Brands might come in as well. Um, it, it is a transitional period, but with those, if those players did come in, say say they got both of them over the line, does it mean that they're just going to add to the squad that they already have at the moment, or do you think it means that it's going to be um, saying goodbye to some of the other players? And if so, who, who do you imagine that to be? Well, obviously, Dorgan Hazard is a direct replacement for Christian Pulisic, who goes to Chelsea. That's... Um... I don't think anyone would be surprised by that. Um, I saw a lot of people online saying, ooh, maybe that means Jadon Sancho is off. Well, I don't think Jadon Sancho is off anywhere this season. I think fast forward 12 months and Jadon Sancho, if he's been on the same trajectory that he's been on um, since he arrived at Dortmund, I think he could well be off this time next year. So um, the someone like Thorgan Hazard and Julian Brandt coming in, you know, they're two good players who can offer something going forward. And, and that's what this Dortmund side, and it's what Favre's side are built on, is exciting attacking forward players. Now, whether they're on the wing or whether they play slightly more central, um, they've got Paco Alcacer, who I think will be a lot better next season. And that's not to say he's had a bad season. I just think he's learning the Bundesliga. I think maybe we were all fooled by the way he exploded into it. But I think he's a great player. Um, Mario Gotza, if he's managed correctly, which I think Favre is doing, 60 minutes here, 30 minutes there, 20 minutes there, 50 minutes here, you know, he's still getting over um, the problems he's had all the way back to that metabolic disorder, which is a serious disorder for a footballer to have, you know, and, and the muscle problems he had that surrounded that. Um, I think if they can use those players correctly, Marco Royce again, if he's managed correctly with his history of, of injuries and his his history of, of absences, if they can bring in two very exciting players in Thorgan Hazard and maybe someone else like Julian Brandt, um, I think that would, would set them up perfectly to have a good crack at the title um, next season. Do I think if they were in place now, they would have been top of the league? Probably not, because every team that wants to win the league, I, I do genuinely believe that if you want to win the league, you first got to taste defeat. And I think that's why... Bayern have been so good because they did taste defeat um, and then they got it back. They pulled it back and they didn't let it go again. Um, and every new player that's come in has been told about that. And hopefully, you know, if Bayern do win the league this year, Dortmund will be will be sore from it and Hazard will come in and he will be told by the players what it's like to go so close to winning the title and to lose it right at the very end. And he will want, he'll have that same desire to push on next season. Um, and, and try and help Dortmund get that title if they don't get it this season. So, so yeah, it's 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 a tough one for Dortmund because, by rights, really they should be up there right now. But they, I don't think they've bottled it. I do think they've thrown points away. But as Manu said, they're a team that's in transition, a team that's learning. So they're going to drop points here and there. Unfortunately for them, they've dropped points here and there where they shouldn't have done. And now it does look like they've imploded a little bit. Well, let, let's uh, move on uh, from Dortmund uh, and talk about uh, Bayern Munich. Uh, Manu, so you, you were covering the game today, uh, a 1-1 against Nuremberg. Uh, as we've already said, that was not expected. We, we expected them to kind of uh, you know, get, get over this uh, hurdle with, with ease, really. But um, Nuremberg gave them a hell of a run for their money and even missed a penalty, yeah, hitting the post right at the end. Um is this not just a missed opportunity uh, by Bayern, but did they bottle it uh, to a degree? Yeah, they bottled it. 
they would have won the championship today if they had won that game. From four points, there would have been no way back. Now it's two, and they're still playing Leipzig. You know, look, if they had won that game against Nuremberg, they could have lost against Leipzig and still won the title. It wouldn't be the holiday season if there wasn't candy, right? Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. That's not the case anymore. Now the pressure is on. And everyone now expects them to beat Hannover next week, right? But we all seen what Nuremberg does, did in this game, and all of a sudden this Bayern side seems very vulnerable. It's like it's like when you have a match point, if you have three match points and you bottle them all three. So I think Bayern bottled it today. And no one saw it coming. <laughs> That's the best part about it. And I think it it throws up this result throws up a bunch of question marks because They've been just going. They've been grinding out the results. They've been getting the wins. They've getting one win after the other. And then they go into this Bavarian derby. It's a really big game. You know, these are the two sides. I mean, people, people who only follow the Bundesliga um, recently, they don't realize how big of a club Nuremberg are. Nuremberg have won nine championships. I know it's been a long time, but they're a big Bavarian club. They're a big institution in Bavaria and a big club in German football historically. Um, they're just not having shown it for a while. But, you know, this is a big derby in Bavaria and they got those points and we didn't expect it. And <laughs> it's um, when you look at the, the, the press statements that have come out, the whole issue with Hamas. I know Chris and I, we talked about this off air. Uh, Hamas went to Salih Hamicic to tell him that he was injured. And then Salih Hamicic had to tell Kovac. So what's going on there? Um, Alfonso Davies giving away a penalty in, in, the, in the box. That's something that you wouldn't see from Bayern at all. Uh, Serge Knabi basically coming on in the second half to rescue this Bayern side. And they would, he just rescued them not. There was no tactical innovation, nothing. He basically just rescued them by his pure talent. He, he's been excellent this season. So yeah, I think Bayern bottled it. And all of a sudden, they look very vulnerable, in my opinion. I think this is a side that can still give away points. If they had won this game, you know, the championship would have been done. And they know it. And I think them knowing that, that can cause a little bit of problems too. <laughs> my 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 entire issue now, though, is um, is not Bayern. I think I am 100% certain that Bayern will probably drop points in, the, in two more games. I know it's a big statement. But my big concern is, are Dortmund going to capitalize for a bit? And that is where I have the big question mark. Yeah, that is the big question, isn't it? Um, Chris, you said that this game uh, was one of the best that you had seen in a while. And uh, I think it was to everyone's uh, surprise that that was the case. Uh, but, but what exactly happened between uh, uh, Jim Rodriguez and, and Kovac? Uh, he came on and then came off again. I mean, he was only on the field for about 15 minutes or so. It, what, what, can, can you explain it? Can anyone well, as, as Manu said, he came and spoke to um, Sami Halidic, who, who was on the side, who is who is not the coach. Um, Niko Kovac is a head coach, and he deals with everything that should be on the pitch. Um, he was he was brought on, and then he was very quickly brought off. Um, he came on on the fifty seventh minute, and he left on the seventy second minute. Um, and Alfonso Davies replaced him, replaced Javi Martinez, who wasn't injured either. Um, it was more of a tactical change. Um, and James Rodriguez came on, uh, he took a very good free kick, which hit the bar, um, and then he went off. Uh, I don't know if he didn't fancy it, if he did have an injury, maybe he had an injury, but he just doesn't talk to Niko Kovac, that's what it looked like to me. Um, I think it would be very strange for a player to ask to come off if they were 100% fit. Um, I don't think he's refusing to soldier as in such, you know, he's refusing to do his duty, maybe he, just, uh, maybe he did have a niggle, but it's the fact that he didn't want to speak to his own coach, which makes me think that um, that's a relationship beyond um, any sort of repair. So who goes? Um, we'll have to wait and see whether Niko Kovac goes at the end of this season, which wouldn't surprise me now. Um, unfortunately for him, I think he's a great coach. I think the work he did with Frankfurt was fantastic. Um, 
what he did with Frankfurt saved them from relegation, took them to back-to-back Pokal finals, beat Bayern. You know, I know the players on the pitch did it, but it was his tactics. He got them there. Um, I, I think it was a a hard one for him to go into Bayern and, and please everybody and please all the people on the board. I don't think that's happened. And if Bayern don't win the double, if Bayern do win the double, if Bayern don't win anything, I think... Niko Kovac might be used as the scapegoat in inverted commas or as the, yeah, it's not really gone particularly well with Kovac. I think we should let him go. And as Manu said last week, I think the double might have saved him. But now, seeing this on the side of the pitch, this gives me a completely different insight into what's going on day in, day out at Bayern Munich. What the what the diversions are like, what the the problems are like, what the it, it just it just looks very very strange, and it doesn't look like something that can continue for much longer. No, it does not. It's it looks rather peculiar, doesn't it? The relationship there. Um, Manu, do, do you believe that Kovac could be gone in this summer? And if so, you know, who takes on such a such a massive task of a taking over Bayern, keeping up, you know, the standards that that they expect, but also the transition that they're going to go through at the moment with uh, buying new players and and getting rid of uh, some of the the older ones. That depends on whether Rummenig or Hunescott gets their ways. Um, It very much took two big personalities with two very different opinions on how to go forward. Um, I I think it's very much 50-50. At the moment, what's happening? And I can't. I. I mean, there's so many candidates from head coaches, from Thomas Tuchel, Jose Mourinho, Maurizio Pochettino. Those are all candidates that that could take over um, in in the summer if if they decide to go that way. Yeah, we'll just have to see um, which way they decide to go. It will be a little bit harsh, won't it? Uh, if he wins the title or wins the double. And then it's not uh, allowed to continue. But uh, I suppose in football, we've seen weirder things happen. Um, Talking about um, odd things, um, let's talk a little bit um, about Bundesliga 2 promotion race. Um, Just um, a few weeks ago, we were saying it looked like it was going to be a a Cologne, Hamburg 1 and 2. But neither of those sides have won in the last four match days. That's left uh, Paderborg, which we mentioned um, mentioned last week um, up in second and then we've got Union Berlin sitting in third going into that playoff spot but um, I mean again this weekend seeing them get their first win that being over uh, Cologne actually and you know something that they hadn't managed to do in four match days either Um, Manu what what exactly is going on with uh, with the Bundesliga um, promotion I mean does nobody fancy it? Uh, yeah, I I want clarity because I want to know where where Chris and I are going to go on May twenty seventh. I like the plan ahead. You know, I'm German. Uh, we like to we like to sort our plans out a little bit ahead of time. Um, right now, we thought maybe for a bit it's going to be Paderborn, but Paderborn is second now. Um, Union Berlin dumped out um, Hamburg out of the top three, Bryce, um, this match day, and they now. They know third ahead of Hamburg. I mean, that would be a meltdown for HSV if they don't get promotion, straight promotion, let alone um, the promotion relegation playoffs, let alone not getting there at all because the club needs the money. They need to get back in the Bundesliga, right? But yeah, there's no one fancy it. Um, <laughs> yeah, good question because Köln fired their coach, right? Because they were worried that they wouldn't get across that line. Um, they're on 59 points. You need 60, about 60 points to get promoted. So they're about a point away. But yeah, it's 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 a crazy one. But you know, I, I've been saying to Chris, we've been messaging back and forth. How are we go, where are we gonna go? How are we going to how are we gonna finish up our season? Uh, I I would like some clarity, and I think the way the table is right now, I wouldn't be totally against it. I would be very much for the table um, as it is now, and I only said last week, um, fellas, that I think Kern and Hamburg are done. And they're going to be promoted. And we come back seven days later. In fact, it's only six days later. And Hamburg are fourth. Now, I'm exceptionally um, interested in where we're going because I've got to fly home the next day. As it stands at the minute, I've got a ticket out um, to Germany and I don't have one back because I have no idea where I'm going to be Monday night for the second leg of the playoff game. Am I going to be 
in Union Berlin, hopefully, because that means we can roll from the Pokal to the um, second leg perfectly. Even Hamburg is only, what, an hour 20 on an ICE? That's not too bad. Paderborn, oh, that, that's like a whole day's driving near enough. It's four and a half hours um, there and back. Um, okay, it's close to Dortmund, so I could probably fly home from there. But this is a, a fantastically tight league. It always has been. Um, and yeah, you're quite right. Um, Cologne have fired their manager. And I, I know there's a lot of people out there um, thinking, oh, well, it's a bit of a shock. They're top of the table. But I, I think you have to look at why Cologne have done it because and how they're top of the table. They're not top of the table on 70 points playing blinding football and blowing everybody apart. They're playing okay football. Um, I think Avnang would have taken them up to the Bundesliga and they would have been a typical yo-yo team again. They would have been fighting relegation. They need to they need to have a manager that's going to play the, the type of football that we saw under Peter Stoger a couple of seasons ago, which is very exciting and very interesting. And I think that's why they've got rid of their manager. I do think, I'm going to put my hat on the line here, I do think Cologne have got enough in them to finish in the top two now. Um, so I think they're safe on automatic promotion. But had they kept with the same coach, I think they would have been in dire trouble next season. So that's probably a very good reason for them to move. I think it's probably strange they did it as early as they did. But with all the personal problems they've had, maybe they found it's the best way for him to, to go now. But yeah, where are we going to end up? Um, you know, Don't write Heidenheim off it just yet either. I think it's going to be Berlin. That's That's me hoping... <laughs> I like spending a week in Berlin, Chris. It's it's been fun the last couple it's, of years. It's, Why it's not? been a lot of fun, um, <laughs> and I would love to do it again. So, so yeah, let's hope Union Berlin get in there. I'm sure Union Berlin will have one eye on being one point behind Paderborn and getting in there um, automatically, which for the club would be fantastic for them. It would give us a logistical nightmare, though. Oh, well, that's it. We've talked plenty, haven't we, about um, your a Berlin derby? in the uh, Bundesliga and how exciting that would be. But also, we, we've been to Union Berlin before and their ground is really something special, isn't it? It would be nice to have that back in the Bundesliga, eh? But um, I think that more or less does it for this week. Uh, we can almost breathe once again. There was a lot of uh, excitement, wasn't there? Um, Chris, uh, what have you got going on this week that you'd like to maybe draw people's attention to then? Well, of course, it's the Champions League um, semi-final first leg. It's also the Europa League semi-final first leg. And as our listeners will be well aware, um, I've been following Jurgen Klopp um, for the last couple of seasons for Fushballstart.com in the Champions League. So thankfully, um, I shall be chatting to Jurgen Klopp in Barcelona this week um, and then um, seeing how Liverpool get on after that uh, a week later in the in the return leg. So, so yeah, so a busy week for me, Bryce. I'm off to Barcelona in the morning as we record this. Liverpool play Barcelona in the Champions League. Oh, news to me. Oh, uh, anyway, uh, we've got um, plenty going on at the Football Grad Network, as always. Chris, always busy. Um, but Manu, what have you got um, going on? Anything in particular that you'd like to draw people's attention to? Yeah, I'm going to hammer out those previews um, today and tomorrow uh, as we speak. And then, um, yeah, I'm covering the first ever Canadian Premier League game here in town this afternoon. Yeah, I'm actually straight from this podcast heading out to the stadium um, for Pro Soccer USA. So in some Canadian soccer history, um, first ever coast-to-coast nationwide league. Um, so that coverage... If you're interested in it, I, I've never, you know, I've never covered a league from the get-go before. So it's it's kind of new ground. It's very exciting. A lot of people are very excited. It's a 10-year project. It's finally got, gotten off the ground. Uh, first national league in this country, nationwide league in this country. So, yeah, that that's going to be some interesting coverage. So that's going to be over on uh, prosoccerusa.com. And then, uh, yeah, of course, um, you know, the, the we're going to cover Europa League, Champions League very much in depth over at, at Football Grad Live. Yeah, very exciting. A eh? part of history in Canadian yeah. football. Eh? What game are you going to see? So I'm seeing Pacific FC against Halifax Wanderers. The two teams are 5,400 kilometers apart. I put a little Google map on my Twitter account. For those that are interested, it would take 63 hours to drive. Um, I don't recommend that. There's a lot of nothing in between those two cities. 
So yeah, um, that's on my Twitter account at ManuelWeb, but that's the first game, coast-to-coast game. They, they had a game in Ontario yesterday that opened the season and then decided the second game of the league is supposed to be a coast-to-coast derby, just I guess to reflect how big this country is. Wow, that that's very exciting. I might try and tune into some of that myself. Nice work, Manu. Um, but that, yeah, more or less does it on the podcast uh, this week. It's been very exciting. I know that there'll be more excitement to come. Uh, we'll be back next week with another match day. Uh, until then, yeah, check out at Football Grad Live on Twitter if you need any more football in your life. I've been your host, Bryce Dunn. You can find me on Twitter at Bryce Dunn Eleven. And until then, I'll be there then. Ich warte seit Wochen auf diesen Tag und tanz vor Freude. Über den Asphalt, als wär's ein Rhythmus, als gäb's ein Lied, das mich immer weiter durch die Straßen zieht. Komm dir entgegen, ich hab zu holen. Let's be real. Dealing with tangled cords can make it harder to do your hair. Break free with the new Unbound Cordless Auto Curler from Conair. Get the curls and waves you want, anytime, anywhere. It's designed to let you experience the power and freedom of beauty in motion. No cords to hold you back. You get your curls and waves your way. Unplug and be unbound. Loose curls, tight curls, beachy waves. The Unbound Cordless Auto Curler makes it easy to get the looks you love. Love your look. Live Unbound. Available at conair.com and search Unbound. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.